Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. to this week's edition of Empowered by the Spirit, hosted by Deacon Steve Greco of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. For the next hour, join Deacon Steve and his guests as they share their testimonies, love of their Catholic faith, and the importance of the Holy Spirit in all our lives. Now, here's Deacon Steve. Hello, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco, and we're back here, the beautiful Tower of Hope at Christ Cathedral. We're back on the air of Empowered by the Spirit. And wow, am I excited. I have a gentleman who is so on fire and so filled with the Holy Spirit, Mark Prather, who is an evangelist, an author, who is someone who is just so filled with the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, thank you, Steve. This is awesome to be here. It is so great. And you have done so many creative things, creating a wealth academy, the Mark One Wealth Academy, author of books. And you really talk about what is the possibility for our life. Remember, my brothers and sisters, John 10.10, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. But what is God's plan for you? God's plan for you is one of abundance, one to make the possible possible. And that's been a big part of your life of making seemingly impossible possible. Absolutely. You know, when we look at our life journey, that is, I think that question and that whole point is what permeates our whole life is what is possible? Where can we go with our lives? And it's, it's a tremendous challenge. I, you know, I love this, and, and you have been incredibly successful in business uh, as a mortgage broker, correct? Yes. With, uh, I hear, 40 mortgage brokers, or is there more than that? Or Yeah, there's a little bit more than that, but I've been doing this since I was 18. Wow. I'm 61 That's, now. <laughs> that is amazing. And so you've been very, very successful. And I know in my career, too, in, in healthcare and pharmaceuticals, you know, I never dreamed that I would be vice president uh, or senior vice president of a Fortune 25 company or things, president of a company or things that happen in my life. But it's keeping your eyes on Jesus and knowing that we use about, what, 7% of our potential, 3%, whatever that number is. Yes, yes. Uh, but God wants so much more for our life. But when we trust in him, great miracles happen. Well, absolutely. You know, all of us come from a different place. Where we start from in life, some... You know, I grew up in Compton. You know, my neither one of my parents were educated. Uh, mm. my, you know, my father got to eighth grade. That was the same with mine. Yeah. Eighth grade, and my mother graduated from high school, but she was said she was a you know bad girl for going that much. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it is interesting, and you know when I bring that up because I know so many of the people that are listening are coming from different places. They're, you know, they don't have money necessarily. They're struggling, whether it's financially, they're struggling with their faith, and they're just struggling emotionally trying to make it. 
and they look at where they started, and then they look at other people that have everything, and they and they seemingly started from, and and, and many of them did start from a, a much better place. And the question, and what you talk about there to me, that's so important is, what is God's intent for us, and and how does He step into our lives to guide our lives? And it's so critical that we let God be God, right? Yes. yes. I mean. He says, behold, I make all things new. My brothers and sisters, God wants to move mountains for us. In fact, Scripture tells us over and over again, if we have faith as big as a mustard seed, we could turn to that mountain and say, move, and it'll move. And last Sunday when we record this, which was just a few days ago, it says that we can, if our faith is big as a mustard seed, we can turn to that mulberry bush and say, move, and it'll be thrown into the sea. And that's been your life. Your life has been one big miracle after another, right? Yes, it has. You know, but you, you know what I want to address with this, Steve, to me that is so so critically important is how we are our own worst enemy with God, where mm-hmm. we wrestle with God every step of the way. You know, I think the biggest mistake we made and the hardest lesson for us to learn is that it's not our will. Our society has so many problems in it, and the root cause of virtually every one of those problems is the same thing. It's I want what I want. So many people don't understand what Jesus told us in John fourteen twelve. You will do what I do and more because I go to the Father before you. Jesus told us over and over and over again, try me, test me, allow me to work within your life. The vine and the branches. I am the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. In fact, if you don't, he says in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus has to be the foundation of what we do. And tell us about your faith journey and, and your background. Well, my faith journey really began when I was a senior in high school. I was baptized Catholic as an infant. My mother is Hispanic and my father is from the South. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was in a mixed family, grew up in Compton which was largely an African-American community. But we never went to church as a family. I didn't walk into a Catholic church until I met my wife. And the first introduction to God and Jesus was when I was a senior in high school. I met a girl in high school that we were friends, and she invited me to her church. And I walked in to the church and listened, and I felt something. Mm, awesome. I felt something. And so then the question occurred to me as I thought about what I experienced is, does God exist? Was and this it, a Catholic church or a no, Christian church? No, okay. it was a Christian church. Okay. But what I realized in, in, in studying this simple question of does God exist is that the answer to that question is everything. Mm-hmm. Because if God exists, then the whole course of our life is going to be affected by that. If God doesn't exist, then life becomes totally about ourselves, what we want. My brothers and sisters, how real is God to you? Do you believe that Jesus is your savior? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that through Jesus, you have the way, the truth and life and through Jesus, You have eternal salvation. Confess with your lips, believe in your heart, and you will be saved, which is Romans 10.10. Bottom line is this, my brothers and sisters, how much do you believe? And that's an important question that you're saying is that 
we have to take a spiritual inventory, somewhat like Ignatius of Loyola talks about the examination of conscience. You know, where am I in my in my faith and my belief? Well, Steve, this this question about belief, you know, I will share with you the process that I mentally went through. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my Bible, I started looking into it, but I, I approached it from a perspective of, I need to know, does God exist? And as I read the Bible and I started studying and I started particularly paying attention to all the words of, in the teachings of Jesus, is I came on this, across the, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. And as I read that Sermon on the Mount, because here's what I was looking for, is I looked and I said, you know, I have to get to the answer of this question in my lifetime. Mm. And when I read the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus states, he says, seek and ye shall find. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not vague. That's very specific. Exactly. And a very specific promise, right? Absolutely. It's a very specific promise. But But when you think about seek and ye shall find, what does he say about find? Find what? Amen. And that's when I looked, I go, you know, he's being really specific. And what occurred to me is I said, you know, Either that statement, seek and ye shall find, is the truth or it's a lie. There's no in between. And we know that Jesus is the truth and the way. So at that moment, at 18 years old, I made a decision. I'm going to seek to find the truth as to whether God and Jesus are real and in fact are the way. So then the question is, how do you seek God. And the path that I learned is that, and I've learned a lot, it's been a long, painful, painful journey. But the path is through learning what faith is. And what I learned about faith and belief is that God will not intercede. In other words, when I say intercede, he will not do for you what you can do for yourself. See, most of us look at God as, and we say, okay, well, I'm a believer but even people that are believers, their faith is very, very weak. And they see God as a spectator, that God maybe at best is cheering them on. Now, you know, because you've lived it like I've lived it, that the Holy Spirit is in our life at a level that we just never imagined. And we all want that. I know every single person listening to this right now wants to feel the Holy Spirit in their life, guiding their life. But it takes them, it, it takes all of us, we have to take that first step and we have to walk in faith. And as long as we get up and we keep walking and, and the parable of the talents tells the story, but we have to take that. And what, here's what I learned is that every time I hit the wall, mm. every time I hit the wall where I didn't have the answers, I didn't know what to do. And I felt like I was flat on my back and I said, okay. I don't know what to do. That's the moment of truth, meaning that we have to move forward in faith anyway. We're walking in the darkness in faith. And that's when you feel the Holy Spirit. That's when God intercedes. And God will provide the answers, the guidance, and the things that start to happen. And I'm a kid with limited education. I mean, I went through high school. I went one semester of college. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I want to start making money. And my point is, is I had virtually no spiritual training, no real business training. And I was doing everything the hard way by trial and error. 
Praise God, alleluia, and what God has done in your life. My brothers and sisters, as Mark Prather told us, in seeking you'll find in the first part of Matthew 7, 7, Luke 11, 9, asking you'll receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open. As you take a look at the 11th chapter of Luke, it says, we who are wicked, who know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father in heaven give us the Holy Spirit for those who ask for it? I've tell you a really quick story. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I'm in Anaheim Convention Center on my way to give a talk on a Sunday. And the day before on Saturday, I had prayed over about 150 children ages 5 to 15 with my wife. And one particular child and her mother came running up to me on that Sunday. And the mother said, oh, my daughter's so excited. She's about seven. She and, and she said she couldn't sleep. The mother said she couldn't sleep uh, last night because she's so excited you prayed over her. But she has a question to ask you. And this question is exactly what you just talked about. She said, did I receive the Holy Spirit at baptism? And of course, the answer is yes. And she said to me at age seven, her eyes dilated, her head tilted. She said, Deacon, if I receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, why is he hiding? Isn't that the reality. That's one of the most profound things I've heard in 40 years of ministry. The Holy Spirit is lying dormant until you give him permission. We're going to talk more about that when we come right back. This is Deacon Steve Greco. You are on Empowered by the Spirit. Spirit-filled radio shares gems of our Catholic faith each and every day. Here's a word from Deacon Steve Greco along with Father Augustine Puckner about the sacrament of reconciliation. So many people go to priests that they don't know because they're afraid that, wow, what's the priest going to, priest really going to know me, you know, and all that. So tell us about that whole area. Well, first of all, don't be afraid to our listeners. Don't be afraid. And let me just say that as sincerely and gently as I can. Don't be afraid of confession of God, because God's mercy is that embrace of the loving Father who is waiting and watching for you to return to Him and to return to His love and to return home, home to the church, home to your spiritual family, where you will be embraced with great love and enthusiasm and will be supported. So I know that the fear factor is definitely something that we pray that everyone will overcome. For more great content, check out SpiritFilledEvents.com. That's SpiritFilledEvents.com. Spirit-Filled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. SpiritFilledEvents.com. You're listening to Spirit-Filled Radio. Any C.S. Lewis fans out there? Here's a word from Joan Patton, Apostolic Oblate in the Diocese of Orange. There's uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis. He was talking about how like, we feel like God's pursuing us, and so what happens? We get scared and we start to run. And finally, God's <laughs> like, stop! I'm trying to give you joy! <laughs> and that is what vocation is about. For more great content, check out spiritfilledevents.com. That's spiritfilledevents.com. Spirit-filled radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. Spiritfilledevents.com. Hello, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco, and we are on Empowered by the Spirit, and we're talking to a very anointed man, Mark Prather, about God's plan for us. 
And we're talking about specifically how to let the Holy Spirit out of our lives. And right before the break, I mentioned the story of a little girl that said, why is the Holy Spirit hiding? But we have to get permission to let the Holy Spirit be released within us. And then everything changes. Well, again, I get back to the Sermon on the Mount. The instructions are very clear. Ask and you shall receive. But it doesn't say ask and then you know, go take a, you know, a coffee break. Go take a siesta. Yeah, it, it says then seek. We have to seek. See, our greatest enemy, I've come to this absolute conclusion and belief that our greatest enemy in life is our eyes. Hmm. We limit our lives so much because if we cannot see the path, if we cannot see how to do something, if we cannot see, physically see the Holy Spirit, if we can't physically see these things, then it is not real. And then we sit down and we say, God, where are you? Amen. And, and that's, you know, with Thomas, right? Unless I see it, I don't believe. And yet, my brothers and sisters, in Second Corinthians, we hear we must walk by faith and not by sight, not seeing, but believing. And, and by the way, you have done an amazing job of focusing on the word faith. Tell us about that. I've created, I took the word faith and turned it into an acronym because our journey is a faith journey. It's all about faith. And so the first letter of faith is F. So I've converted it to focus. Here's what I'm, when I say focus, what is so critical we will move in the direction of our thoughts. We have to manage our thoughts. We have to focus on good things, on serving. But this point of focus, most of us don't focus. We let our mind just wander. And because of that, we are aimless in our lives. We all want to move forward in a positive way, but we have to control and manage our thoughts. So first part is focus. Next it's A is for ambition. Now, I, can I go back to focus sure, for a okay. second? Because we have to control our thoughts. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it tells us that we are in a battle with the enemy and that we have to take every thought captive according to the obedience of Christ. When we take every thought captive, we are letting God control our mind because, you know, I have a talk called the battlefield of the mind. It is the mind that gets us discouraged is the mind at times that gets us distracted, but the mind also builds our faith when we focus on the right things. And we see this again in the fourth chapter of Philippians, where it says everything that's pure, everything is praiseworthy, everything that we need to focus on to build up. We need to think about those things. Then the peace that passes all understanding will, will happen. And so all of those things are important. Control what you think about. Don't get the negative stuff out of your mind. It's critical because everything starts there. Like gravity, we will move in the direction of our thoughts, whether we realize it or not. And I love your term about the battlefield, because the big advantage that Satan has is that people, most people, even believers, don't believe that Satan's really there. Mm -hmm. And so this battlefield, because when you have, and this I think is the greatest challenge that all of us deal with, which is our thoughts, is in our subconscious, we have so many thoughts. Mm -hmm. As you know, I had a massive heart attack at 49 mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. The reason I had that massive heart attack at 49 years old was because I was stressed out for about 25 years. And the reason I was stressed out is because of my thoughts of fear. Mm -hmm. 
there's a direct correlation between fear and faith. The higher the faith, the lower the fear. Amen. The lower your faith, the higher the fear. And that led to this heart attack and being in a tough place. So let me ask you a question, Steve, because you use that term oh, battlefield. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm being interviewed now. <laughs> we got role reversal, jamming Jimmy G. Okay, go ahead. All right. Your point of the battlefield, where is Satan on that battlefield? Battlefield is trying to influence your mind. You know, and we see this in the sixth chapter of Ephesians that says the devil gives us these flaming arrows. And guess what the shield is in Ephesians 6? Faith. It's your faith. It's when we hold up the shield of faith, the arrows that the battlefield of the mind, the arrows that Satan is throwing at us, arrows of saying, oh, you're never going to be successful. You're never going to be any good. You're never going to not have that sin in your life. You're never going to be this. You're never going to. Whenever you get those thoughts, my brothers and sisters, rebuke them. In fact, we tell each other, you know, this is really powerful, Mark. At least we've experienced it, my wife and I and others in our ministry. We say when we get those negative thoughts or if someone says something negative, we say, I don't receive that. You see, people receive the negative thoughts and they dwell on them. And when that happens, then Satan is winning. Absolutely. You know, this, in my view, is the greatest challenge that all of us face is the negative voice in our head in our subconscious. Now, since I had that heart attack, I've studied the subconscious. I've studied psychology at a high level. And I can tell you, here's where we get deceived, is we believe that the negative voice and the destructive voice is advice from ourselves. And that's the deception. And we have to put a voice, I mean, we have to put a face on that negativity. Now, I have chosen that face. That face is the face of Satan. Now, if you're a believer, hopefully you will see that. But whether you choose to put that, Satan's face on that negative voice, you have to recognize that that negative voice is not you giving yourself good advice. It is exactly the opposite. It is the negative voice in your head, in your subconscious, we all live with that, is trying to destroy you. And if you're listening to that, it's going to suck you down. My brothers and sisters, one of the most important things to ask for and to pray for is found in 1 Corinthians 12, which is called discernment of spirits. It's a particular quote we call charismatic gift. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Why is discernment of spirits so important? Because there are three voices that we have. We have the voice of God. We have the voice of the enemy. And we have our own personal voice. We have to discern where that voice is coming from. How do we discern that? What is the fruit of what happens as a result of listening to something? In Ignatian spirituality, they talk about consolation or desolation. Is that voice moving you closer to God? Because if it is, then God is at the center of it. Is it moving you away from God, which is desolation? Then you can be sure that somehow it could be yourself, but the devil The enemy is kind of mixed up in that. What is the fruit of what you're listening to? Closer to God, away from God. Does it bring you the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Does it bring you more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more generosity? Because look at the fruit of what we listen to. Steve, you know, when you look at some of the great examples of that is that, you know, it's like in our subconscious and these, these voices that we hear, you know, this 
good and bad. Now, at the end, we have the choice. But there are examples in, to me, the great examples of the people that start listening to this voice. And I'll give you an extreme example is Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson, this voice got so loud in his head that he had, the only way he could sleep was through having an IV. And that IV and those drugs mm-hmm. ended up killing him. But if you look at Elvis Presley, same exact thing. This negative voice that comes through our subconscious, you start to feed that voice and listen and focus on it. And like gravity, you'll move in that direction and it will suck you down. And you look at the number of famous people that had everything. We have created uh, this thing called attributes of a winner, 10 points. And now we've refined it to attributes of a spiritual leader. But attribute number one is whatever we think about, we become. It's that that simple. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And that really kind of relates to your second point in faith is ambition. How big is your God? How big do you limit yourself? Do you put God in a box? Whatever God wants is what I want. But how big is your God, my brothers and sisters? Tell us about ambition under your acronym of faith. Is to have God-sized goals because we know that all things are possible with God. So let's have big God-sized goals. We so often limit ourselves because we're afraid. It's like, I can't see how I'm going to get from point A to point B. And we stop until we can see. And very often, and we look at our lives and we say, well, I'm here. And then we talk about, let's go from A to Z. And you can't see it. That's where the faith comes in. But have huge goals. Have these God-sized goals. And then... In any journey, every time you take one step, that one step, though, changed your perspective because you can now see things that you couldn't see before you took that step. But you got to take the step. And it's okay if you don't see or understand or know how you're going to go from A to Z. That's okay. Just take a step to B and then regroup and then you keep going. And that's when God, if you want to feel, and I know you want to feel the Holy Spirit. Everybody I talk to wants to feel the Holy Spirit. Amen. But that's how you feel the Holy Spirit and experience it. My brothers and sisters, again, are you limiting your own potential? Are you limiting what God wants to do in your life? I love this, have grand God-sized goals. How big is your God? Don't say, and it's, it's human nature, I suppose, but the devil plays upon it. Moses said, pick somebody else. Peter said, depart from me, a sinful man. So many people think, oh, I can't do this. They immediately start with, I can't do it, rather than saying, let's work off a blank sheet of paper, a blank canvas, because with God, all things are possible. Yes, I've lived it. You know, and again, this is the seek and ye shall find is over my adult journey. I've been through a lot of things, both personally and business-wise, you know, through some major, you know, in the real estate industry, there's some really trying times in any case. And as I shared, you know, about the heart attack and that, but having these goals and moving forward in faith, things are going to happen. And this is the best way for you to experience, experience the Holy Spirit. And this is when, as you have these experiences of the Holy Spirit and you have them repeatedly, you know, I was trying to think of a kind of a, an analogy, and here's the best I could come up with, is the Holy Spirit's like the Internet. You know, I don't see the Internet, but, we, you know, we go online, we type, things happen. 
And it's the same thing. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but the results, the things that just start happening, the things that line up in your life, and you talk to any believer that has walked this journey, they will tell you the same thing. Things happen in your life. Solutions are provided to problems that you just had no idea. And it just, it, it just happens over and over and over. And your belief system, you go from a level of, of believing to knowing. And when you get to that highest level of knowing and living with absolute certainty, and that's what I w- want to communicate to all your listeners today is that what is your level of certainty in the Holy Spirit and Jesus? When you have absolute certainty, that is an amazing place to live. And that is the faith of Centurion that said, say but the word and it shall be done. This is Deacon Steve Greco. We're on Empowered by the Spirit. We're going to be right back to talk more about God's plan for us and faith. One, the Stick and Steve Greco. We're back on Empowered by the Spirit with Mark Prather. And Mark is someone who is on fire for the Holy Spirit. He is a Catholic evangelist and author. He has Mark One Wealth Academy. And, and he is someone who is just absolutely on fire with the Lord Jesus Christ and really advocating faith. Advocating faith. And we talked about faith as it relates to focus, controlling our thoughts having it focused on our Lord Jesus Christ, A for ambition, having God-sized goals, to have an amazing life. Remember, Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And what Mark keeps advocating is Matthew 7.7, Luke 11.9, you know, seek and you'll find, you know, to be a seeker. Now, the I in faith stands for what? Integrity. And, you know, I have to just say one thing, and I'm going to ask you for the definition, but a few years back, I would give a friend of mine who was a teacher at a, a high school, had me give various talks and motivational talks to his classes, and I would talk about the word integrity, and almost no one even knew what it was. They never even, they couldn't define it. Yeah. So what is it? You know, that's a shame. Integrity is being someone that people can trust. It's having values where you respect and you respect other people and you live a life of character. But in but bottom line, it comes down, be somebody that people can trust. You know, this word of integrity, you know, I think back when I was a kid, you know, you used to hear the word integrity a lot. You do not hear it anymore in the schools. Isn't that interesting? You know, and I'm going to tell you, you know, what really pains me the most and creates a great deal of fear for me with our country. And my point here is not to get political, but my point is leaders at all levels do not project integrity. Trying to humiliate people, trying to talk down to people, you see that it's been in corporate America, you know, where there's always been those kind of kind of tyrant leaders. But now talking down to people, showing people little or no integrity or living your life with no integrity or respect for other people, it's common. And it creates so many problems. And for us, and the point of this faith card in this conversation is none of us want a problem-filled life. 
We want a problem-free life. And when you become somebody that people can trust, your number of problems diminish greatly. My brothers and sisters, does the end justify the means for you? In other words, will you do whatever it takes to be successful no matter what the cost, no matter whether or not you're being honest, whether you're being trustworthy, or you just want to, well, as long as I accomplish what I want, it doesn't matter how I get there. It matters all 100% how you get there because it isn't worth it. It isn't worth not having integrity, not doing the moral and right things. What that really comes down to is the choice of your attachment to the world or the attachment to Jesus Christ. That's what this is really about. Every time your integrity is getting challenged, you know, Jesus said, you have to be willing to lose your life. This is what he's talking about, is our values. What do you value most? Do you value your job and your title in that company over your integrity, over your relationship with Jesus and God? And it comes down to my brothers and sisters, what is your God? Who is your God? Is your God success at any cost? Is your God getting a certain amount of money at any cost? Or is your God, Jesus Christ, is your God doing what Jesus has asked us to do? And it's very simple in the sense that you have a decision to make. Do you follow Jesus or you follow mammon? Do you follow the enemy? You know, and scripture is very clear. It says you cannot serve two masters. You have to pick one or the other. Yes. And the reason that I was so stressed out, had this massive heart attack, like heart heart damage and all of that was in critical condition for like 12 days was because I was so attached to money. I was so I was attached to my company. I was so worried about, you know, what was going to happen down the road. And I tell people now I give speeches on this or talk about say everybody needs a near death experience. When you're like really, really close to death, and for me, from the neck down, nothing worked. You know, your heart provides the oxygen. The blood is bringing the oxygen. No oxygen, you can't do anything. And I remember being in that state and thinking, you know, my brain worked really well. And as I assessed my life in those moments where I thought this is it, because I knew I was crystal clear how I got there. And it was through being stressed for 25, 30 years, running a company because of my attachment and where my priorities were. So many people define themselves as how successful they are in life. You know, the amount of money they have, their titles, how far up the corporate ladder they are. And men, I believe men have a bigger problem than women with this, but women also have an issue with it. But so many people define themselves in that way. And I say this story, I was... I had 4,000 people I was responsible for, $7 billion in sales, a corner office of this Fortune 25 company. I'll never forget walking in, looking around the office and say, is this it? I did not get satisfaction as it relates to, you know, within my soul. I mean, I got a certain amount of, you know, business uh, joy or, or happiness, I guess. But there was really no joy in it. The only joy happens when you are in relationship with Christ. Because you never have enough money, the job's never good enough, or whatever it might be. There's nothing in this world that will give you satisfaction, only Jesus. Well, Aquinas talks about the four vices of man. 
pride, pleasure, power, and wealth. And I'm going to tell you, women have this problem just as bad as men. Just take a look at their purses and how much they spend on purses. And oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, this issue of pride, or you know, which is status, or power, or pleasure, and the pursuit of wealth, these four vices of men, I mean, Aquinas nailed it, is these are the struggles. But again, that gets back to the point of what do you attach to? This world and those four vices? Because I, I guarantee every one of you listening to this, whether you are, those four areas are a challenge for you because they're a challenge for all of us. Now, some more than others, but managing those is critical, but you have to be aware of them. And this gets back to what we talk about is focus. First, have the awareness of these four vices and then keep your focus away from that and moving toward Christ. My brothers and sisters, we're on a journey and the journey is 18 inches long from the head to the heart. Is Jesus in your heart, not just in your head? Often we have this intellectual knowledge of what Jesus is, but he's not in our heart. And what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, Mark, is you have to have this, I believe, radical transformation, this metanoia to put Jesus in our heart to say, you are the priority, not wealth, not power, not a title, not fame, whatever, but you, Jesus, are my goal. And that takes your T tenacity. Because it isn't easy. It's the parable of the sower. You know, we get tempted by the world. We get tempted by fear, as you mentioned. But tenacity is critical. Tell us about tenacity. Life's hard for everybody in different ways. Life is really different. You're going to get knocked around. You're going to get knocked down. And, you know, I love sports, playing sports, you know, as, you know through high school and, you know, football and basketball and you know, I remember in, in basketball, they used to always say, you know, the person that gets the rebound, the coach would say, the person that gets the rebound, gets the ball, is the one that wants it the most. And my point of being tenacious is expect life to be difficult. Expect to get bumped around and pursue it anyway. Because if you go in to any activity, trying to, whether it's career, personal, whatever, and expect not to get bumped around, you're just fooling yourself. And so that mental toughness, that tenacity to power through whatever objectives or hurdles that come your way, this point of tenacity is that God created in our lives in a way that how do we prove to God that we have faith? If it's like a warm night through butter, how does that measure our faith? It is the obstacles that we overcome that prove our faith. My brothers and sisters, we know that we run the race and we're looking for that crown of life. And that crown of life is not easy. It does take tenacity. That's part of the reason I love these two verses in Ephesians 10, 35 and 36. The first thing is we need confidence is verse 35. In verse 36, it says we need perseverance to receive what God has promised us. Perseverance. It is so easy just to quit and fall. And so many people just, you know, they try and then it doesn't work out and they just stop trying. But so many times, I know to get where you have been in business and life, what I've done in my life, it wasn't easy. There's nothing easy about it. No. 
it takes a lot of hard knocks and a lot of stumbling and falling and adjusting and a lot of perseverance. But it is through learning and applying what you learn that everything changes. Well, and the thing I want to add to this, I think is so critical where we make the big mistake is, you know, I'm sure there's some of you that are thinking, you know, I've been working so hard for so long and I've been tenacious and I'm still not feeling it. Here's the thing. Be tenacious, but still be willing to adopt is things change. And I think the hard part for us in our life is we know what we want. But is what we want consistent with what God wants? Is our plan the same as God's plan? And in most cases, <laughs> no, that's not the case. We, you know, our life journey is not a straight line. So be tenacious, but be willing to adapt and change and turn your life over to God. Rely on God. That's the biggest change that I've made in my life really since the heart attack is that is now I rely on God in the Holy Spirit for direction. Amen, amen, amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is doing God's will, and then everything else will follow, which is Matthew 6.33. Another, you mentioned the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Matthew 5.6 is, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for then they will be filled. Then they'll be satisfied. Righteousness is doing God's will. When we hunger for God, everything changes. When we hunger for what the world has to offer us, it's quickstand. And and you see this again in the Gospel of Matthew, in which he says, build your house on solid foundation, not on sand. When we go after the world and what the world has to offer the fame, the money, the power, the prestige. It's never lasting. It is, and it doesn't give us any satisfaction. This is Deacon Steve Greco. You're empowered by the Spirit. We're going to talk more about faith, what it means to you, and God's plan to you. We'll be right back. Are we being good role models for our young people today? Here's an inspired word from Armando Cervantes, a recent guest on the Empowered by the Spirit radio show. There's a study that says that our people at least need five role models as teenagers and young adults, five role models that are older adults so that they can model the faith in a healthy way. But many times that's not what we see. I mean, our church should be full of models, right? Of, of role models, of mentors, and we're missing that, right? We have people who just go to church on Sunday, sit there, receive communion and leave. That communion should have been the impetus for us to go out and minister, go out and serve. Some people say to me, listen, Armando, you talk about the homeless. I can't go do that. That's not my thing. That's fine. Minister a young person. They need something. You're great in finances. Great. You can teach and model that to a young person who's hungry for that skill. Your skill that God has given you can be used in our church. And sometimes our churches haven't done the best job in making that connection. But that doesn't mean that you can't go up and say, this is my gift. How can I be of service? For more great content, check out spiritfilledmedia.org. Spiritfilled Media is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. For more, go to spiritfilledmedia.org. Here's another from the files of things our Lord and Savior did not say. Father Kevin Sweeney on Spirit-Filled Radio. Sometimes I think the Protestants think Jesus took a Bible at the Last Supper and take this book, all of you, and read from it. 
He did not say that. He celebrated the Eucharist with them. Made for More is a podcast of Spirit-Filled Radio and the Diocese of Orange. Hello, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco. We're back on Empowered by the Spirit with Mark Prather. And Mark is an evangelist. He's an author. We're going to talk about his books in a minute. He has the Mark One Wealth Academy, and he really focuses on what is our potential in life? What is God's plan for us? And he's come up with the word faith as it relates to what does it truly mean? We've talked about faith in terms of focusing on our Lord Jesus Christ. What is our ambition, our goals? Make them God-sized goals. Do we have integrity? And do we have tenacity, which is the T, because it's not if we're going to run into challenges, but when, and are we going to persevere? And now the H, and what's the H stand for? Humility. And tell us about that. In life, you know, our journey is not about our glorification. Our journey is about the glorification of Jesus and, and God. And having the humility to understand and know why you're here. You know, I look at my life now at 61 and what I've learned, what I've experienced with the Holy Spirit to where I was at 18. At 18, I was as skeptical as anybody. I was, I would say at a place where it's like, okay, you know, I want to find out. I'm not going to say God exists. I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, but I'm going to find out because the answer to that question is everything. And in pursuing this life journey, what has been revealed to me, the path and what I've learned has been amazing. And the things I've learned about what God has provided for us. It, I mean, you think it's obviously it's life itself, but then what I've learned by living this life in faith and you know, I, sometimes I use the term fearless in faith, but the truth of the matter is we all have fear. We all feel fear. So it's not so much fearless, but it's moving forward in fear and faith. You work your way through that. But as you work your way through the fear and the faith and the Holy Spirit keeps coming through over and over and keep in mind, it's not a straight line. You're going to have to adapt, but your faith level starts to go such to such a high level that the fear level declines. And I don't think it ever disappears a hundred percent because we're human and there are certain things like pain and things that you still don't want to experience. But then to understand when you understand and learn how involved, how loving God is, how loving he is in your life. I mean, I'm sure Steve, you know, where Jesus talks about where God knows every hair on our head. Amen. That is True. I mean, I've lived that. Amen. The Holy Spirit is in your life to that degree. And Amen. when you when you know that, when you experience that, but the only way you're going to experience it is you have to move forward in faith. And when you start to experience that, then you understand the depth of the love. How can you not be humbled by that? I love Purpose Driven Life. i give Rick Warren a shout out here. And what one thing I really love about it, is the very first line that you wrote. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about serving God, loving him with all your heart, soul, might, and strength. You cannot get to holiness, my brothers and sisters, without humility. And God brings us to our knees. It may be something physical like you had with your heart attack. It may be something emotional. It could be something 
financial, it could be a disease, whatever it might be, but God will bring us to our knees because he wants us to know that he is God and we're not. And we often try to be our own gods. We live out the Adam and Eve over and over again. I want that, that apple because I want to be like God. And we think if we get enough money, if we get enough prestige, if we get enough power, we're going to be like God, but it never, never works out. So this faith, focus, ambition, integrity, tenacity, humility, wonderful job and great job. And you've also done a great job in writing three books. Tell us about what was the first book and why you wrote it and what's it about? Well, the, the first book that I wrote was Why the Rich Stay Rich and the Poor Stay Poor. Now, this book is a little bit about my personal journey, but over my life journey, God has revealed to me some amazing things about how wealth growth works. That, you know, I looked around the landscape that people aren't teaching. And so I created the Mark One Wealth Academy. And we have a program that we teach, which is called The Solution to the Struggle of Saving Money. Most people in this country, 80% of the people in this country struggle to save money. And what they all believe is that the only way to become financially secure and retire is through saving money. Now, I'm not discouraging saving money. Saving money is a great thing, and it makes life better the more you can save. But the reality is you don't need to save money. You know, I've built you know, quite a, a net worth through investing in, in real estate. And the biggest wealth creator in this country is the home. Amen. You know, 80% of the average person's net worth is the equity in their home. So my point is, is that people are accumulating wealth at an incredible rate without saving money, but they don't have any idea how to use it and how to convert that into income that they can retire on that will never run out. And that's what our whole program is about. Is this, it's the solution to the struggle of saving money and how to retire without having to worry about saving money and get into a place where you become financially secure. You can even build real serious wealth and leave a legacy of wealth for your kids. And how do you get the book? How do you find it? It's on Amazon. Awesome. And, and what do you look under? Just the title or? You can look under, you know, under my name, Mark Prather, or Why the Rich Stay Rich and the Poor Stay Poor. And by the way, here's why I titled the book that is, you know, growing up in a family that wasn't educated, growing up in a, in a community where, you know, everybody was broke, basically. And the belief system that people have is that, you know, 90% of the people never change their life circumstance. Poor stay poor, middle class stay middle class, rich stay rich, all for the same reason, what they believe. My favorite verse in the Bible, I use it at all our seminars, is Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, be it unto you, which basically means according to what you believe will come to pass. Amen. And this false belief that saving money is the only way to become financially secure is what I'm telling you, 99 out of a hundred people believe that. I call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. It, it, it absolutely you know, is. Whatever you think of yourself, think of your future, it will happen to you. And it's so, so important. Okay. The second book was what? The second book was How Heaven Works. And what this book is basically about, why I title it How Heaven Works, and what I was trying to communicate is what I've learned about how the Holy Spirit works in our life is amazing. And I was trying to tell a story, and the story is really written for young people, I would say like 15 to 30 year old. 
but I was really focusing on young people because people, you know, we want to know that God and the Holy Spirit's working in our life, but we don't understand. And so what the story is basically about is two men that die and meet in heaven. Mm. And these two men, one is a father in, in his 40s, and he has a teenage girl, and the other is um, a younger man in his 30s. And he dies, and they meet in heaven, and they have a conversation, and they learn in heaven that they can become an angel and earn their wings. It's a designation. But the key to earning their wings in heaven is they have to go back to earth and successfully guide someone to heaven. And so these two men say, you know, one says, hey, I'm going to go and guide my daughter back. And the other says, hey, I'm going to go and guide my nephew. So it's this buddy story of these two guys that are angels trying to guide their loved one to heaven. But here's the frustration in the story is their frustration with their loved ones because they're leaning on their eyes. As angels, they are restricted. They cannot be seen or heard. So they have to work through the other resources that they have. And this is what I have seen and experienced in, in, in my life as far as how the Holy Spirit, when I say see, you don't see the Holy Spirit, but you see results. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And then you wrote a third book. And what is that? Wisdom for Your Daily Life. And here's how this came about. You know, after the heart attack, I looked at my life and how I'd been, you know, so stressed out and, you know, just evaluating my life and how I got there. It was a miracle that I mean, my heart uh, suffered major heart damage. I was on the heart transplant list. And then my heart came back to where I received a call from my cardiologist. And he told me, he said, Mark, he says, you know, I never get to make this phone call. He said, but uh, we're taking you off the heart transplant list. Your heart has come back to normal strength. Hallelujah. And so it was amazing. But in moving forward with my life, I started praying for wisdom every day, every day, every night, praying for wisdom. And I started learning things. I started understanding things I never understood. So I started sharing them on Facebook. And I had people kept saying, commenting, Mark, this is, this is great stuff. You should put this in a book. And I had so many people make those comments, I finally thought, okay. So I took these, these revelations that I share in this book, I don't see them as coming from me. This page four of this book, What Love Is, were those your words that you... Holy Spirit. That, I mean, that's really powerful. I, I want everyone to, to really recognize the power of the Holy Spirit behind this. Love is not sex. Love is compassion. Love is not lust. Love is caring. Love is not physical attraction. Love is commitment. Love is not chemistry. Love is faithful. Love is not feeling. Love is a choice. Love is not weak. Love is the strongest force on earth and so forth and so forth. Really powerful stuff. Really, really great. Well, that book is evidence of the Holy Spirit. I don't take credit for any of those words. I wrote them, but they didn't come from me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you have any final thoughts for our listening audience? Uh, yeah, I just want to say, I know you want to experience the Holy Spirit. It's in your faith. And remember, Matthew nine twenty nine. according to what you believe will come to pass. Amen. And I quote that ninth chapter of, of Matthew about faith because Jesus told the blind men in that is, do you believe I can heal you? And that comes to miracles, right? Yes. And then he said, to the extent that you believe is the extent that you're going to be healed. And, and to your point, if you believe in faith, whatever you believe in, it's going to happen. And there's a direct correlation between the two. 
keep up the wonderful work in building up the body of Christ. God bless you. And this has been Mark Prather really talking about God's plan for us and about faith. So thank you, Deacon. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you, worship you, and glorify you. We ask for the Holy Spirit to descend upon us with that gift of faith that we ask for, for our listening audience, for all of us. Heal us spiritually, mentally, mostly, and physically through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I bless you with every spiritual blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia. As Deacon Steve Greco, you've been on Powered by the Spirit. We'll be with you next week at the same time. We're thrilled that you joined us today on Empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit is a production of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard here on Empowered by the Spirit, contact us by email at empowered at spiritfilledhearts.org. That's empowered at spiritfilledhearts.org. We look forward to being with you again right here next week. Days of Praise, a daily guide toward transformation through praise by Deacon Steve Greco. January 21st, Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abound in love. We often assess God in the same way as our relationship with our earthly father. If our father was stern and difficult... We picture God as unforgiving, holding on to our sins, and punitive. If we had a loving and forgiving relationship with our Father, we can then more readily accept this verse in the Psalms. The reality is that God is love. As love, He does not hold grudges, is always loving and welcoming, is merciful. Heavenly Father, thank You for filling my heart with Your love. I praise you for giving me a holy earthly father and ask that you always watch over him. 365 Days of Praise, a daily guide toward transformation through praise by Deacon Steve Greco. 365 Days of Praise is available now on Amazon Books or at spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.